0: I'm Brooks Gray, and you're listening to Accidental Theology, a podcast about theology and worship. Today, let's talk about being perfect. Welcome back. I'm so glad you've taken time out of your busy schedule to sit and hang out with me for a few minutes. I hope you've had a great week. This is kind of a bittersweet time of year for me. Um, If if it's like it is where you live in East Tennessee, where I'm at, then this past week you probably woke up and heard some birds chirping outside, and you're thinking, man, there is life in this world. You know, it's not just all rain and gloom and gray clouds. And so all, you know, signs of spring are starting to pop up, and it's exciting, but at the same time, if you're someone like me who battles with spring allergies, you're thinking, oh no, here we go. It's coming again, so I'm not looking forward to that part. Spring is a great time of year. Unfortunately, every year of my life, I'm confined to the indoors to enjoy the springtime. So I have to look at the sunshine out these wind, out my windows, and uh, you know, just keep them clean and think, man, I wish I could go out there unimpeded by all these allergies. But hey, that's what it is. So hopefully, you don't have allergies and you can get out. But with that. I don't know why I decided to share it with you, but yeah, here we are. So today we're going to be talking about perfection which obviously I am not since I just told you that I have allergies and I can't go outside, so I'm not perfect. But I want to talk about this idea of perfection. And um, this past week in my in my quiet time and God just dealing with my heart and preparing for several things that I was getting ready for, God began speaking to my heart, and, and really the Holy Spirit was challenging me because this phrase came into my mind. And um, sometimes, I don't know if it's just the culture we live in, how we've got social media and all this stuff. And, and I'm on Twitter and, um, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram and all this stuff. And so a lot of times I, when I think of things, when I think of an idea, I will think, okay, how can I put this in a phrase that's tweetable, you know, that can come across on social media? Because I have I have a lot of deep thoughts a lot of times. Some of those deep thoughts – lead to absolutely nowhere and it's like I'm chasing this rabbit down this hole thinking about these concepts and these ideas and then I finally realize what's the point of me even trying to figure this out (laughs) so so but this is one of those things where God kind of burdened my heart with this idea of perfection and so you know I was thinking in my head you know if I was to tweet this idea out how would I say it? And I think that's because it's easy to understand that way. Like, that's one of the things I love about Twitter is you have to get creative with the way you say things. Like, you don't have to, you can't just ramble on and you don't have to see people just post this big, long, ranting thing. Like, if you have an idea, you have to get it across creatively in a short amount of characters. And I'm one of the old school guys that I preferred the 160 characters or whatever it was over the... 200 and some they have now because it made you get a little more creative but anyway that's not a hill i'm willing to die on so if you like the more characters hey more power to you it's great but this is the phrase that in my mind eventually led to me thinking about this and kind of mulling over perfection am i in pursuit of perfection or am i in pursuit of perception so i'll say it again am i in pursuit of perfection or am I in pursuit of perception? And what I mean by that phrase is this Am I, or are we, you can throw yourself in there, pursuing walking in holiness and perfection? Or am I more concerned with pursuing the perception of holiness and perfection? Do I want to make sure someone knows that I read this Bible passage today? So I have to post a reference online to, to prove to people that I've been reading reading through scripture or does does someone really need to know that I helped pay for somebody Else's meal, this act of kindness. And it's funny because years ago on, I, I don't even know what Christian radio station I was listening to. It became this popular thing to promote buying the meal for the person behind you in the drive-through line, which is great. Cool. You know, doing an act of kindness. That's nice. I've had that happen to me before. I was, I was in a Dairy Queen line actually, and I ordered something, probably ice cream. I can't remember. Got to pay for it. And, uh, the lady said, um, actually, the person in front of you paid for their meal. I was like, uh, OK. And she said, and actually, the person in front of that person paid for their their meal. So they were just passing it on. And so I looked in my rearview mirror and I thought, um, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but nobody's behind me. So I can't pay for their meal. So I just took the free meal and I was the end of that act, those acts of kindness. So shame on me. <laughs> but I didn't enjoy the ice cream but this idea of paying for someone's meal behind you in a drive-through line was popular on Christian radio and so the the listeners were told to do it and after you do it call in and let the radio station know what you did and how you may have gotten creative with it and i remember when they would kind of promote this and talk about this i would always think why like what is the point of that like you know, here's a, here's a novel idea. How about doing an act of service or an act of kindness without having to be acknowledged for it? I mean, it's great that you're promoting it and pushing it, but why ask people to call in and, and give their stories about, Hey, I did this for the person behind me. And I'm not going to get off on a, you know, I'm not going to get on my soapbox and start ranting about that's terrible and that's awful. I'm glad people are doing those acts of service. But again, it just kind of, in my mind, solidifies this, this notion that Myself and maybe a lot of us are in pursuit of this idea of the perception of holiness, of these great things that we've done. And uh, we've created this kind of false narrative that if we do something like pay for someone's meal behind us and, and tack Jesus' name onto it, We've done our due diligence as a follower of Christ, but not not only that, um, I'm afraid we're convincing ourselves that it's enough for God and it's gaining us some sort of favor. Like doing some well-intentioned act moves us up a few rungs on the ladder of God's approval system. And again, this whole idea of are we doing things for the sake of perception? Or for the sake of perfection, was really obvious this past week. This is recorded uh, the third week in March of 2019, I believe. So just the other day, Facebook and its family of apps was down for almost 24 hours for some people around the world. And because I'm on Twitter, that's where I get a lot of my news. Like, So I just kind of browse around, and, and honestly, if I hear somebody talking about something, Twitter's the first thing I open up because I'm thinking... Well somebody's going to have posted something about this that I can read or find a link or something just kind of get an idea of what's going on. But when Facebook was down and Instagram was down and, and WhatsApp, the Messenger service and and all these things, people on Twitter are responding to Facebook's post on Twitter about how aggravated they are, like it's been down for a whole 10 hours and you know when's it going to be back. I'm sitting here thinking, man, we've become so reliant on social media of of getting our opinions out. And for the younger generations especially, I'm in my 30s, but those in their 20s and, and younger, their lives are being built around this idea that we can share the best with people when we want and how we want it. And, and when that's taken away from us, it really reveals our heart. And so with this idea of perfection, it's funny because... The word perfection has almost become a taboo word. It's it's really strange. We because we use the excuse that oh nobody's perfect as as almost a justification tool for some actions we may have or our lack of self-control or our shortness of patience. When we mess up a lot of the times a phrase you'll hear is uh well nobody's perfect. Yeah, that's true. I agree. But the reality is that God as followers of Christ, as believers, God has called us to holiness. He's called us to walk in perfection. And 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 16, Peter writes this. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Now, if you look up the word holy, and I just did this in Strong's Concordance, um, that's a hard word to say, I'm not a good pastor, I can't say the word concordance, um, but if you look up the word holy, it it is defined as sacred, and in parentheses, it says physically, pure, morally blameless or religious, um, sorry, mor- morally blameless or religious, ceremonially Or consecrated. And so this idea, it's this idea of being set apart, of being totally different than than anything else. And Peter got this idea from the Old Testament in Leviticus, and it's actually mentioned two or three times, once in Leviticus 11, once in uh, Leviticus 19, and once in Leviticus 20, about God telling the people, or telling Moses to tell the people, hey, be holy, because I am the Lord your God, and I am holy. So while we know that we live in a fallen world and perfection is something that on this side of eternity, this side of heaven, that we will never grasp hold of, that's not an excuse for us not to strive for it, to not to try to achieve it. And what's great about this idea of perfection is with if we're pursuing perfection, if we're pursuing holiness, there's it's not this worldly idea of someone striving to be perfect, where we look around pointing our fingers and say, look at you know, all this stuff that I'm doing. You should be doing this and not doing that and setting all these rules for people. But the biblical idea of perfection and holiness, a lot of that is wrapped up in humility. So if we're walking in perfection and if we're walking in holiness, those around us will will see that we're striving for that, but we're not having to tell people that we're doing it, if that makes sense. So some weeks ago, we talked about outward expressions during worship on this show and how it isn't really necessary for genuine worship. But in reality, we're constantly communicating something to those around us and to God. And and when I was thinking about this idea of perfection or, you know, is it just a sense of perception? I began thinking about, you know, our our times of corporate worship and what we do in worship and do we have a hard time expressing our worship publicly because we aren't pursuing him privately. And that's huge, not just for uh, in, anybody sitting in the pews, but for myself as someone who's on stage, who's who's a leader, is what I'm doing publicly hard or difficult or manufactured because what I'm doing in pr- private is not in pursuit of God. I was blessed the other night to, to be able to lead worship for our students at church. And I shared with them this idea when we were all gathered in this room, you know, and talking about this, kind of this idea of perfection. And this is important for all of us to hear, that church services are not where a heart of worship is produced. You know, worship services are where we come together to acknowledge the worth of God together. We're proclaiming as one, as a body, that although we may not have a ton in common, uh, we've seen God at work through our lives, and that's worth us coming together. Maybe if you're in school that you've seen God fostering friendships at your school and allowing you to speak life into situations that that seemed hopeless. Or maybe if you're a construction worker, you're on the site, and you're seeing that God has used your career as a builder to point others to the one who can restore anything. Or maybe as an artist, you've been showing others that there's a reason to the beauty and the chaos of this world. In everything we do, we can be giving God honor and glory. And I'm not exactly sure what that could look like, depending on where you work or who you work with. Because let's be honest, you could say, as I mentioned, if you're a construction worker, you could say for one person, yeah, I could look like this on your, in your workplace but for another construction worker who's working for a different company in a different location it may look like something totally different but it's up to us to pursue God privately to to look for opportunities to give him honor and give him glory and and point worship towards him in all that we do and that idea is not something that just kind of pops In our head, all of a sudden, out of nowhere. It may, God is able to do that. He very well may do that. But I found in my own life and in the lives of a lot of those around me that it's about a pursuit. Are you pursuing opportunities to give God honor and give God glory? Because then you'll start to see those times, those moments. When you can really do that, no matter where you're at, it may be sitting at a restaurant waiting on your meal to come, you know, your waiter comes up or your waitress comes up and you simply say, Hey, we're, we're about to pray for our meal. Is there anything I can pray for, pray for you about, you know, do you have anything? And I've done this before several times and you'd be amazed at the response. I mean, the uh, absolute, I guess not the absolute worst, but the, if they say no, there's nothing you can pray for them about. Okay, that's the end of that. No big deal. You're still going to pray for your meal anyway. But there's small opportunities like that throughout your day and throughout my day. And I'm not just preaching this at people listening. I'm I'm actually sitting here preaching this to myself as well. There are a lot of times in my life where I could actively be seeking and actively be pursuing, giving God honor and worship more so than I do you know a lot of the times so i pray that for you that you will determine daily um, that you will be in pursuit of holiness and perfection because god is holy and because god is perfect not because we want to get to a certain place and have people look at us and say man they've got it all together but it's a it's god's standard you know and, and we are we are saved and we are um, brought and seen as righteous before God because of what Christ did for us. But that doesn't stop the fact that we should still be pursuing that holiness and that perfection. Are we daily renewing our minds and uh, transforming our allowing God to transform our spirits through through time with him and prayer and, and study of his word and and memory of uh, memorizing scripture and that sort of thing. So this third week in March, as spring is coming along And depending on when you're listening to this, it may be the dead of winter. But as spring is coming along, may I look for opportunities, even in those weak areas of my life, even in those moments where my allergies are killing me and I don't even want to go outside. May I see those as opportunities to point towards God's holiness in in some way and, and ask God to reveal to me, okay, how can I give you glory in this situation? Because when you're battling allergies, that's hard to do. It's hard to say, how can I give you glory in this situation? But that's my prayer for myself and I guess my prayer for you if you have allergies. If you don't have allergies, maybe some other way you can give God honor and glory. But thanks so much again for listening today that you spent a little bit of time with me. I hope you have a great remainder of the week or start of the week. Again, whenever you're listening to this, until we meet again, God bless and go pursue perfection.